I am pleased to have with me as a guest on the John Riley Project, mayoral candidate Emily Johnson. Emily, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? <laughs> okay. I'm really excited to have you here um, on, on the podcast, and I really want to get to know more about your candidacy. And I know you've, you've been out there on the streets working. I've been seeing your signs around town. So just tell me, how's the campaign going so far? It's going really well. I'm getting um, a mostly positive reception. Mm -hmm. Obviously, there's a little bit of issue regarding my age, but also a lot of people see it as a good thing because it's kind of a fresh look on Poway. Mm -hmm. I mean, my signs say a new perspective on Poway. Right, so. right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's been it's been really cool to see and hear what my neighbors and, and fellow community members uh, think and especially what they think about me running, um, I hear a lot of, it's mostly people who are just excited to see somebody who looks different running. So. Yeah, right. Because, I mean, you look at, for the most part, our, our city council people have been, you know, gray-haired guys like me, right? You know, <laughs> so it's, it's great to see a young person. Um, it's great to see a, a female candidate. Um, so I think it's fantastic. I think it, it's, uh, it's exciting for our city. Thank right? you. Yeah. Um, I kind of hit this point when I was a senior in high school where I realized that I can't just wait around for somebody to represent me. Like, I'm going to have to represent myself and, and people who stand where I stand. Okay. So. Yeah. And I think I remember you said that at one of the candidate forums where you, you vowed to run for Poway mayor at some point in your future. And, mm -hmm. you know, boom, boom, here you are. Yeah. You know, so. I think what you're doing is awesome. And I think it's, you know, it's it's kind of what democracy is all about, right? right? right. It's about people stepping up and getting involved. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, the frustrating thing is, is a lot of people in my generation, um, you know, you see really low voter turnout rates with people who are 25 and younger. Right. Um, and it's it's hard because this, the, the decisions that are being made we're going to have to live with, right. you know, people who are 70, 80 years old who are voting on on things that will last a lifetime. They're not going to have to live with it for very long. Um, whereas people who are my age, we still have families to raise. We still have lives to live. Mm -hmm. um, and it's hard because people my age aren't getting out there and voting and instead are just voicing kind of dissatisfaction with how things are going and not really doing anything to change it because there's almost this feeling of we can't change it. Right. Um, so I think that's why it's so important that I am running is because it kind of shows, yeah, I might be young. I might not be as old or, or I guess, experienced as mm -hmm. these other candidates, but I'm doing something. Yeah. And that's the important part. Yeah, I think that's what we're seeing, you know, throughout the country is that there's a lot more young people that are stepping up. And I think uh, President Obama spoke a lot about that. You know, it's. He, he not only said, you know, don't get angry, vote, yeah. right? But then he also is encouraging young people to become active in the process. And it seems like you're following that line. Yeah, I mean, we have to, if we want to see any sort of change in this country, and mm -hmm. we have to start at the local level. Right. If we want to see change, the, the young people are going to have to make the change happen. Right. 
You know, it's, it's interesting when you see like uh, people will do the studies of the demographics and they'll show how many like, you know, baby boomers there are and how many, I guess, millennials and, you know, they break it up by age. Mm-hmm. And it was it's almost that if if young people like between the ages of 18 and 34 would vote in mass, they could rule the world, right? <laughs> or yeah. at least really control the agenda. Yeah, in our there's nation. a lot of us. There's a yeah. lot of us who just, I mean, don't vote. I have friends who aren't even registered to vote. And it's it's frustrating because as somebody who's active in politics, who believes that my vote counts, mm-hmm. it's hard to see people who just kind of lay on their backs and let change happen right. without, without any sort of influence on it. Yeah. Yeah. Do, do you feel that some of your peers, are they... Are they tuned in to a lot of um, national politics, state politics, or even local Poway politics? Or are they just kind of more concerned with their life, you know, and getting their career going or whatever? I mean, specifically with my peers, so people who I had classes with in high school, I guess. I was in, I was on the AP route, so Mm -hmm. in all the advanced placement classes. So we were always kind of a little bit more, uh, I guess, in tune with at least... Uh, national government right and um, in classes we would have discussion about it especially in in AP US history mm-hmm. classes like that we would constantly be talking about these issues but I don't really think any of my peers pay attention to local government um, mostly because a lot of us don't plan on staying in Poway which is frustrating because this is a great place it's a great place to raise a family but that's just not what a lot of Millennials are looking for anymore you know and I'm I kind of hope that by being involved in politics, I can at least make the young people who still live here realize that this is our home, even if it's not exactly New York City or L.A., right. it's it's still our home. Yeah. So. Well, I'm, I'm sure, you know, there are a lot of young people that have this stayed in Poway even after they graduated from local high schools, right? Um, there's also, it's amazing how many people have gone to Poway High, mm-hmm graduated, went on to college or whatever they did, they started their career, and then they came back Mm -hmm. and and they raised their family here because they are just so deeply connected to the city. Right. And this is a great place to have Mm -hmm. a family. This is, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a beautiful community where it is very safe. Um, There's some improvements that can be made, but for the most part, our schools are really good. Our parks are well taken care of. Um, And it's just, it's a. It's not quite the suburbs. It's not quite a city. It's somewhere where you can have a family and you can kind of keep them protected. I guess. Yeah. Well, it's the city and the country, exactly. right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's um, it's a very it's a special place, Poway. Exactly. Um, you know, I I moved here specifically. My wife and I moved here because we wanted to start our family, mm-hmm. and we said, you know, where are there good schools? Where is there a good, you know, a safe community? And you look down the list, Poway, just check yeah. marks right down the list. So, yeah, it's a great place. My parents moved us here for a really similar reason. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, we were living in Ocean Beach, and I think around the time, I have a twin, mm-hmm. and I think around the time my twin and I were four or five, my parents started looking to Poway for, you know, a good place to kind of get us in schools because yeah. Ocean Beach doesn't have like a great um, school. And we came here and they loved the schools. They, I went to Garden Road Elementary and they loved the staff there. Mm-hmm. And people who, I, who, who taught me, you know, my teachers, my counselors, I'm still very close with to this day. Nice. Yeah. 
you know, my children went to Garden Road Elementary as well. Yeah, it's a good school. It is. It's nice. It's a great community there. And, um, you know, it's so did you went to Garden Road and did you go to Twin Peaks Mm -hmm. and then into Poway High? Mm -hmm. Yes. And you graduated in what year? 2016. Okay. Well, then you graduated in the big election year. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Which was stressful Mm -hmm. uh, because, you know, my graduating class, we were kind of just starting our adulthood. Mm -hmm. And here's this monumental adult decision that we were going to have to be a part of making. Right. Um, And so it it felt a little bit like we were thrown out into the ocean and just sink or swim. Mm -hmm. But I think it it really got a lot of us realizing that we have to be involved. Right. Especially after the results came out. Yeah, no question. Yeah, I mean, I I remember for me, my the first election I voted in was 1984, right? Mm -hmm. And so the same thing, you know, you're it's this big national election. You're sort of thrown out there. Yeah. Some of your political opinions are not completely formed. Right. You know, you you know certain things, you believe certain things, but I remember when I was that age, yeah, things I believed in then, I maybe believe a little bit differently now. Yeah. I, th- I think that's true for everyone. As you grow, your politics will change. Right. And that's just part of the natural progression of life. Right. It is. Yeah, because, you know, when you're young and single and then later on when you're you know starting a family, you know, your different values, yeah. different perspectives kind of creep in. Yeah. But um, I, I know I, I think it's wonderful that you're running, um, you know, Almost like as a sort of a, a symbol to to the youth of Poway. It's like, you know, hey, it's one of us, yeah. right? You know, and an inspiration for young people to become more politically active and to engage in the process. I, I hope. Yeah. <laughs> one can only hope. I I do see a little bit of an effect in just my, my circle of friends, I suppose, mm-hmm. where, you know, they're starting to realize that there's influence that can be had, mm-hmm. even if we're as young as we are, you know, I have friends who are now um, very loyal members of whatever their party is mm-hmm. and who go out and campaign and canvas and make phone calls for these candidates. And I think that's amazing. And to be able to say that I had a little bit of influence on that, it just warms my heart. It makes me feel like what I'm doing, whether I win or lose, has had an impact. Oh, yeah. There's no, no question. I mean, you will have an impact no matter what happens. Um, so I, I think it's fantastic. So um, when you're out there and you're talking, let's just say amongst your peer group, mm-hmm. okay, whether they're your friends or maybe people you don't know, but maybe they're roughly in your age range. What are some of the things that they're concerned with, you know, on a national level, but also at a local level? Uh, nationally, you see a lot of concern with uh, equality, police brutality, uh, acceptance, and general general overall human rights. Right. Um, on a local level, my peers are a little bit more concerned with like what's to do around here. You mm-hmm. know, over the summer the community pool was closed, and that's a lot of what people my age do here, and um, so that was frustrating for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, traffic is a big issue for my peers, mostly because a lot of us go to school outside of Poway. Right. Um, whether it's Miramar or SDSU, mm-hmm. a lot of us stay living in Poway and attending these colleges. And sometimes traffic is so bad that you're going to be late to class. Well, it's, it's a long haul down Poway Road from Garden Road to the 15. Yeah. I mean, how many stoplights is that? Oh, so many. <laughs> I, have, I have one classmate who lives uh, right off the 15 entrance in Poway. And when she realized I live in Garden Road, she mm-hmm. asked me, how long does it take you? Yeah. Because it, it's 
long. You get stopped at every stops to stoplight, and that's not even accounting for traffic mm-hmm. or construction. So it's it's a bit of a drive. I remember when we first moved here. I used to, you know, my wife and I would joke about it, like how long of Poway Road was. It seemed like it went forever. Mm-hmm. And it seemed like we passed every fast food franchise <laughs> yeah. known to man. And, and then we eventually got to our home. But now that I've lived here for so long, I don't even think about that. Right. You, you know, I just go down Poway Road. It is what it is. And it doesn't seem long to me anymore. Yeah. Um, and I mean... I appreciate the fast food restaurants <laughs> being everywhere because then when I'm at least running late to class, I can at least pick something up right. to eat. Uh, but it is, it's weird because it doesn't seem that long. And then you see other cities and you realize Poway Road's actually really long. It is, yeah. <laughs> but Well, let's talk about Poway Road and the, you know, the Poway Road corridor development plan. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a big topic in this election. What are your thoughts on that? I really think we need to step back from development, at least for the time being. Um, You know, people in Poway don't seem that thrilled to have so much construction going on, to have any sort of change going on, which is understandable because Poway has sort of a a vibe to it that people don't want to see changed, Mm -hmm. especially long-term residents. And I think if we are going to be focusing on construction along Poway Road, it should be more towards getting buildings up to code and instead of changing or adding or or destroying things. Right. So. Yeah. Well, I think it, w- once we see this new, you know, the, that outpost development mm-hmm. that's being built, was it next to Five Guys? I think so, yeah. Yeah. That's going to be an interesting project because, you know, they're doing with a two, two uh, levels of underground mm-hmm. parking and they're going to have this, was it like a food court or something? And yeah. So... I think a lot of people are curious to see how that turns out. And is that going to be symbolic of what we're going to see moving forward? Mm -hmm. Is it going to be something that's going to scare people Mm -hmm. about what could possibly be in the future? I know. A lot of people see it as kind of Poway is turning into another North Park or uh, Mira Mesa Mm -hmm. by adding the underground parking structure. I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing to be providing parking that is sound to keeping more more land i guess mm-hmm. not involved um but i do think it's important that we maintain that that city in the country charm instead of turning into another industrialized area right well i guess maybe if we're going to maintain the city in the country maybe underground parking is preferable to a two-story parking garage right, right? yeah yeah so yeah the the um the redevelopment of Poway Road is interesting because there's a lot of businesses that have been there for a long time. Mm-hmm. You know, the thrift stores, the bowling alley, um, you know, I, you know, they actually took out a couple of businesses to build that outpost yeah. there. Do you go to the bowling alley much? I, I used to go more. I still go occasionally. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm really bad at bowling. So <laughs> <laughs> if I go, it has to be a lot of friends right, right. Um, who won't make fun of me. Right. But, you know, it is it was a part of my childhood. Thrift shopping is a lot of how I hang out with friends. It's very trendy these days. Yeah, it's always fun to do. Yeah, yeah. and it, you never know what you're going to find. And so mm-hmm. it does, it almost like breaks my heart to hear that those places that I kind of grew up going to might not be there in 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's hard because, you know, the bowling alley is where a lot of my friends had birthday parties. It's where a lot of my friends' younger siblings still have birthday parties. It's mm-hmm. one of the only things, entertainment-wise, that Poway has to, to offer. Um, and so if those places were lost, I don't really know what we could 
what we could do to bring in more local money spending, I suppose. Well, that, you know, part of the Poway Road Corridor plan is they say it's mixed use, right? Mm -hmm. So there's going to be residential, like a bunch of apartments and condos, but there's supposed to also be businesses. Mm -hmm. So the question is, is what are those businesses? You know, are they restaurants um, or are they places that are similar to a bowling alley in terms of being an entertainment destination? I I definitely think it would be important if if this corridor plan goes through and it is it looks like mm-hmm. um that we if we are bringing in businesses whatever they may be that they maintain local businesses mm-hmm. instead of bringing in more mcdonald's and and jack-in-the-boxes and buffalo wild wings yeah, exactly and, you know, yeah like right, right i mean as great as those chains are i think part of poway's charm is like when you go to old poway park and you see all these little businesses that you would never see anywhere else mm-hmm. and so i think that if we brought in more of those, that maybe Poway residents wouldn't be so, I guess, upset about the the level of construction. Yeah, I, I think what I'm getting, the gist of what I'm getting from the people that are planning Poway Road development mm-hmm. is that they do want to embrace this notion of, um, you know, keeping Poway's character. Yeah. And one of the great things, I think, with this outpost project is that the people that are putting in a lot of the... I don't know, the restaurant or the food court or whatever. It's the same people that are behind the Urge restaurant chain. And I know they, it's not really even a chain. It's like I have a couple of them. Yeah. But I've gone to the one in RB. Have you ever been there? I don't think so. Yeah. So they, they have really good food there, you know, and uh, they got, you know, obviously it's a kind of a beer pub. Um, they got a huge selection there. So it's, it's a neat place. Yeah. And it's, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, um, you know, a lot of craftsmanship, right, to it. Yeah. So um, hopefully... You know, we'll see some of that in the Poway Road project. Yeah, I think a lot of people would be happy if we saw that. Yeah. Well, I, I, I guess we're all curious to see what ends up happening. You know, I think a lot of it's just going to depend on what the property owners decide to do and mm-hmm. the guidance the city council offers. So if you're elected, you could play a role in that. Yeah. I, and I'm excited to be able to even have the opportunity to potentially play a role. in Yeah, it, that's so. awesome. So um, let's just hopscotch around town. I mean, there's a number of other issues that a lot of other candidates have talked about. Um, how about the city parks? You said you, th- you think they're, they're, they're good parks. Um, what are your thoughts in general about certain parks or the upkeep or some of your ideas on parks? Uh, I grew up going to Garden Road Park like every day after school. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it has a big part of my childhood in it. It has a big part of my adulthood in it because, mm-hmm. you know, I still ride my bike through there or walk my dog through there. Um, and I think it's a it's a beautiful park. I think personally it's well-maintained. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes the benches could use replacement, but yeah. what park couldn't? It's yeah. outside. Things mm-hmm. are going to get damaged. Mm-hmm. Um, I think... I think that if we modeled our parks to be more of a small playground and larger open fields, I think that would be great I th- because I don't think Poway has a lot of really green areas left. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we see a lot of either th- through the drought, we see a lot of it die or we see a lot of it kind of be built over. Right. Um, like they talked for a long time to make the dog park um, in the community area. Uh I think they were talking about asphalt or, or astroturf or something instead of the natural grass that they mm-hmm. had. And thankfully, a lot of people were uh, upset by that because right. we don't want our dogs playing on concrete or astroturf. Right. Uh, and so that didn't end up happening. Um, 
I think that our playgrounds could probably use a little bit more maintenance almost. Mm. Um, but I, I honestly think that most parks that at least I go to reg on a regular basis in the Poway area, I think they're beautiful. And I think that they're great parts of the community. I think we could stand to have more space for them. Um, and, you know, the community involvement, you, you can't go to a park on a weekend without seeing either a barbecue or, oh, a, yeah. or a bouncy house. And I think that's great. I think that's a lot to do with, with Poway's charm. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. I mean, obviously certain parks in town are more popular than mm -hmm. others. I mean, you go to old Poway Park on a Saturday or a Sunday, it's jam-packed. Yeah. Um, but even at the Garden Road Park, I remember going there on a weekend, definitely birthday parties. Mm -hmm. You'd see pinatas hanging off of the tree. All the time, yeah. <laughs> uh, sometimes people would be setting up temporary volleyball courts, you know, so or, or playing, you know, touch football. Mm -hmm. So you see a lot of that there. Because, yeah, the Garden Road Park is interesting because it's so big, you yeah. know, and it's just this huge swath of grass. Yeah. Um, Star Ridge is a little bit like that, where there's just a ton of grass, mm -hmm. but that's kind of tucked away, you know, on Carriage Road. A lot of people don't know about that part. Yeah. I I mean, I think the open space is, is more valuable almost mm -hmm. than a playground because kids can run around, play tag, play catch. Um, and, you know, it helps contribute to them eventually becoming healthy, active adults. Yeah, exactly. So. Good. Um, so um, you, you've been in Poway since you were, you say since you were about four, right? Yeah. So I originally lived a little further, closer to the 15. Mm -hmm. And I can't really remember much of where it was because I was <laughs> eight. Because you're so young. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I was eight when I moved into the house that I currently live in uh, off Garden Road. Okay. Um, and I, I love it here. I mean, it's definitely not... The young part of me wants to find somewhere with a little more hustle and bustle. Yeah. But I love Poway. It's always going to be home to me. And, and I do think that I will end up coming back here to raise my own family if I do ever walk away. Well, if you're the mayor, you can't leave. Obviously, yeah. <laughs> there's that. Um, so good, yeah. good. Good. So, um, so tell me a little more about what you're hearing from, let's just say, not just young people, but just everybody when you're talking to folks in Poway. What are some of the issues they bring to you? Um, recently, it's been a lot about the senior center, mm -hmm. uh, which is understandably frustrating because mm -hmm. it's not just a senior center. It provides a lot of uh, buildings for the community to use. And so the concept of it being torn down to be rebuilt, a lot of people are concerned about, well, where are these groups going to meet? Where are these people going to go? Um, and I I think I addressed this at the forum where I'm not 100% sure what the answer to that is. Uh, I do think that it's going to require a lot more communication between the city and, and council. Right. Uh, I don't think there's enough of that communication. I think things are happening where citizens and taxpayers are like, wait, <laughs> Why are we doing this? What's right. happening? Mm -hmm. Who made this decision? Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, you hear a lot of, of residents who are kind of frustrated on that note where they feel like decisions are being made on their behalf without anyone ever asking them or properly representing them. So. Right. Yeah. Sometimes it's it's difficult, you know, for the city to get the message out. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, our, our Poway Chieftain's a great newspaper, but, you know, sometimes people get it. Some people don't. Mm -hmm. You can get it online, you know, but the city tries to communicate, um, but for, you know, people are busy, right? They got lives and yeah. you know, they got jobs and families and sometimes they're just not tuned in. Right. And, and when you see people who are involved, they tend to be retired or 
out of work for whatever reason. And so, because it's hard, it's hard to maintain a level of political involvement and a job and raising your family and, you know, doing other things. Yeah. Uh, I think it could be made a lot easier if, like, there's a Facebook page, South Poway Votes. I think you're on it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that is a great way to get community involvement. I mean, you see there's tons of people who are constantly posting to that that page who are constantly you know helping their neighbors become more aware um next door which is a website Mm -hmm. is a great way to get messages out too so i think instead of wondering how we can make people force time to attend council meetings and those kinds of things or read the newspaper i think that if council were a little bit more involved on like social media Mm -hmm. it would be a lot easier for people going through their day-to-day life to oh i have five minutes let me check facebook and see yeah what the city's up to (laughs) right well you you know well the city you know they 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 videotape all their meetings Mm -hmm. um but it's kind of like this podcast who has time to sit down (laughs) through two hours you know um but uh yeah, you see, you see some of our city council members are pretty active. I mean, the mayor is pretty active on social media, mm-hmm. um, but some of the other city council members are not. Um, the city itself does a little bit, right? I mean, they're not as active as some people. Uh, the South Poway Votes, you know, Facebook group is really good. Mm-hmm. Um, and even though the, you know, Chris Cruz, who's the main administrator of that page, looks at things through a South Poway lens, mm-hmm. still... The discussion applies to everybody yes. in Poway, and um, you see people from all parts of the of the city that engage and participate. And there's a really active dialogue, and with rare exception, it's all very civil, cordial, mm-hmm. friendly, respectful, mm-hmm. even if opposing views are being shared. Yeah, and I think that's great. I mean, social media, a lot of people can get behind a screen and and be rude for whatever reason, but I think when you remind people that that we are part of a community where you're going to see your neighbor day to day. Yeah. Uh, it well, kind of makes people maintain a level of politeness and respect. Yeah. And it's not anonymous, right? Right. Okay. We don't have some, you know, clever handle. Yeah. And, uh, um, and it's local. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you gotta, you know, stay in your lane, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's a really good group. And, and I, I know that there's, I don't know how many people are in that group. I think it's around six or 700, if I recall. I was to say a lot. It's a lot, yeah. <laughs> a couple hundred at least. Oh, well more than that. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, in case, you know, for any of the viewers or listeners, I encourage people to check that group out. And it's not, do you have to be invited or I, I think, think anyone can join, right? I think you have to join and then be accepted. Yeah. So it's not an open group. I think it is a, a somewhat closed group. But I don't think Chris really doesn't let anybody join. Right. But I think it's as long as you're a legitimate Poway person, yeah, then you're in, right? Exactly. Yeah. So it's a good one. Um, you know, you know, she was just recently posting about um, water and sewer rates, mm-hmm. you know, which are an interesting topic. And, you know, there's been you know, obviously a lot of discussion about the campaign and yeah. some of the candidates like to kind of post some of their activities there. Yeah. I know. don't use it as much as other candidates, I guess, just because I have my own uh, candidacy Facebook page. So mm-hmm. if I do post to... Uh, South Poway Votes, it's more to direct people to my own page or to my website or my Instagram page. Right. So, Well, you know, this is interesting is when you look at social media behavior by age group, right? Mm-hmm. And Facebook was the hip thing for young people yeah. and it's, it's shifted, right? Yeah. It shifted more towards um, more photo sharing pages. Right. So, so Instagram, Snapchat, uh, Snapchat, not so much anymore. Uh, musically, like there's a lot of 
uh, more, I guess, interactive where you see the person who's making the post kind right. of thing. Yeah, I know my kids are, are big on Instagram and Snapchat and uh, it seems like Instagram is when you just have that perfect photo, Yeah. right? And then they apply all those filters yeah. to make it look just right. Heavily edited, yeah. yeah. And then, um, but Snapchat is the, I never used it, but isn't that the one where you you can say something and then it disappears, right? Um, yeah, that's, so it disappears after 24 hours. Yeah. Uh, you have the option to save it to your own photo gallery, but it, okay. it does go away after 24 hours. It's a really good way to kind of keep people up to date on like this is happening today. So if you see it, on my Snapchat story, it's happening today. And if you don't see it, it's because it, it's over. Right. Um, it's a, it's more of a, I guess, kind of a telephone mm-hmm. game where you can send it to people so that they're aware of what's currently happening. Mm-hmm. And then Instagram is more for, here's what I did, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, it does. I understand the difference. Yeah. Yeah, because you, you learn that as you get involved in each of these social media platforms, how they're used in different ways. Mm-hmm. And, you know, think about it in these terms is that, you know, we're talking about the city and, you know, the issue of communicating with its citizens. Yeah about engaging young people to be more in the process, the question then becomes, is the city communicating on the social media platforms that young people use? Yeah. I I don't know. I haven't seen really any like Instagram activity by Mm -hmm. the city of Poway. There's some posts, I think, but uh, I think that would really help bring in young people in yeah. involvement. You see like the San Diego Democratic Club has an Instagram page and they mm-hmm. post on their Instagram story every week, mm-hmm. meet our candidates. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that ups youth involvement a ton, I would imagine. Right. Um, and it's just because it's a matter of young people aren't looking at the newspaper or even news websites. Right. We're looking at social media. Right. Uh, you see Twitter is how a lot of people get their mm-hmm. news these days, mm-hmm. which is... I wouldn't say always a good thing yeah, yeah. Uh, because social media isn't a news source, but it's what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For, for me personally, I'm a big Twitter person mm-hmm. and, and I'm a big Facebook person. Yeah. And I'm starting to get a little more into Instagram. Um, but I'm just noticing even amongst people my own age, mm-hmm. Instagram is becoming more and more popular. Yeah. You know, and I just I haven't quite made that migration. But I just <laughs> I love Twitter. Yeah. You know, Twitter's fun. Yeah. You know, you have to be short to the point. You say what you need to say and then you post it out there. Yeah. And I, there's, there's a lot of snark, you know, yeah, a lot yeah. of little zingers in there. Yeah, and it's kind of it's because there's a matter uh, some level of anonymity. Am I saying that right? I think you are. I'm mixing the M's and N's together. Yeah, it's hard. But there is some level of that where there's a screen name. You don't have to post your face as your profile picture. Yeah. So people can be a little more snarky, sassy, whatever word you'd like to use for it. Yeah. Because not everyone's going to know who they are. You know, it's funny. I follow certain national politicians that have been, you know, old guys in D.C., right, that have embraced Twitter and mm-hmm. are really good at it. Yeah. You know, um, like Ben Sass and Tom Thomas Massey are two that I like. Yeah. And they're really good. Well, because it's a great way to get people to, to not only know what you're doing, but to support what you're doing. You can yeah. get, you know, the retweets and, and uh, likes on things. Yeah. So... It's a really good networking tool where you don't even have to leave your room. Right. Yeah. And, and they make it fun, right? Yeah. You know, you, you figure some, you know, old guys actually kind of engaging and hip and, and trying to, 
you know, have some personality. Yeah. Right. Because if they're able to have that personality, the message is more likely to penetrate. Yeah. You know, because it makes you seem like a real person and not just a figurehead in Washington. Exactly. See, this is this is all interesting for me because you as a young candidate, I mean, you get it. Yeah. Okay. People of my age, we kind of get it. All right. Okay. We're kind of coming along, but it's not like natively built into our yeah. DNA. Yeah. I grew up in an age where uh, I saw the birth of the smartphone and I grew up eventually I got a smartphone and I, I grew up <laughs> with social media and mm-hmm. it's it's had its ups it's had its downs um you know you you're when you're a kid your parents teach you about internet predators and and well don't make friends on the internet but you do so, to some level make friends on the internet yeah and it's just a matter of protecting yourself knowing how to protect yourself but for my candidacy I had a Instagram page for my campaign before I had a website or a Facebook Right. Because that's my goal was to touch young voters. Yeah. And I knew that's how I would do it. Right. That's smart. Thank you. Um, You know, it's interesting. You go back, you know, I want to roll the clock back a ways. And uh, President Ronald Reagan was often, you know, considered the great communicator. Right. That was kind of one of his his, uh, angles. And he was good at it. He knew how to take advantage of the news media or you know, media in general, what it was. We had like three rate, we had three television stations back then. Oh my God. But, but I think smart politicians are great communicators, Yes. right? Because they've got to be able to share their message, connect with people and get, start that dialogue. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And I mean, social media is a great way to have politicians communicating because you can reach practically anyone in the world right with just a single post um and so i think it's extremely important that any candidate not just the young ones or the ones in dc i think all candidates need to start being a little bit more involved on social media whether it's through an intern who helps them Mm -hmm. or themselves because it would it would increase young voter turnout i or i personally think yeah yeah you always wonder you see I mean, even like President Trump, you always wonder, you know, is he really doing it? Or, yeah. you know, does he have like a, a, a person? I think he does have a person. But even other candidates, you often wonder, yeah. you know. Who's making those posts for you? Yeah. yeah. You know you know who has a really, really good social media presence is Bernie Sanders. Yes. You know, and he has been able to, I mean, I can't imagine Bernie is pushing all the buttons, right? <laughs> but he has built a team. He's yeah. built a strategy and he has been able to successfully connect with people of all ages, yeah. of all dem- demographics. And he's done it really well. Yeah. And I mean, you see people who are my my age around mm-hmm. who are going into college or in, just starting college, just starting adulthood. Uh, and Bernie was something that we had never seen before, really. He was very left of the center. Mm-hmm. He fought for universal education. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was something that we were all passionate about. And he was very involved in social media. So we saw what he was believing in. Right. And and we continue to see what he believes in, even as a, as a senator. Um, and so I think it's really impressive, almost, that he did manage to make a team together to be able to connect on so many levels with so many voters. Right. Yeah, that's very savvy. I mean, yeah. re- regardless of what you think about his policies, it's a he's an excellent communicator. Yes. And that's successful politicians are yeah. good at that. Um, so let's talk about education. You, you're a student. Uh, yeah, so I just finished my associate's degree in okay. May. Mm-hmm. Uh, Congratulations. Thank you. Um, I, re- I figured that this was a good break to 
run a campaign. Oh, perfect. Uh, depending on the results, I'm either going to be mayor okay. or uh, going back to school to finish my bachelor's. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe really strongly that we are paying too much to go to school. I paid $100 for a textbook for one class. Yeah. And I opened it twice. <laughs> right. And so that's a big, that's almost a big hurt for me is where I feel like I'm being taken advantage of by these older people who are on school boards or who, you know, get the money from from taxpayers, from students. Uh, and it's it's frustrating and it's almost discouraging because we can't get jobs unless we have higher degrees and we can't get higher degrees because we don't have the money to go to school and get them. And it's, so it's this, like a chicken and egg, Exactly. Right? It's this yeah. endless cycle of... Mm-hmm. I can't go to school because I don't have money. I don't have money because I don't have a job. I don't have a job because I didn't go to school. Yeah. And it's hard. I have a twin, I said earlier, yeah. and we made the decision when we were seniors in high school. Um, either one of us would go to a four-year university or both of us would attend community college. And that was just, and it was a decision we made without our parents' knowledge. And it was because we didn't want to put so high of a financial burden on our parents. Of course, they always said, you know, we'll figure it out. We'll make it work. We'll apply for loans. But nobody wants to start their adulthood in debt. No. And so, you know, my sibling and I, we took it upon ourselves to make this decision. Um, And we we went to community college instead of a four-year because it's too expensive. It's ridiculous. And it's it's not fair to, to disadvantage youth because there's no way of paying for it. Even with financial aid, it's it's hard. Yeah. So it's very hard. I have two children in college. Yeah. Okay. So I get it. Yeah. Um, you know, and some colleges, you know, that my children were considering. Thank goodness they're not attending them. They were like sixty thousand dollars a year. Yeah. You know, for the whole package, and you're like, holy moly, that's a quarter of a million dollars when they when they get out. Yeah. Um, but to your other point about this, the textbooks, I remember when I was a student, it was the same deal, right? So you, you, you'd be given, you had to buy these books and, oh, by the way, your professor was the author. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) And like, okay, you got to buy the book. So you're kind of lying in his pocket and then you use the book only a couple of times, you know, or you try to buy the book used, but then there's a new edition and you can't use the old one. And those books cost a lot of money. Yeah. Uh, thankfully, Amazon does rentals. There's lots of programs where you can mm-hmm. rent your textbooks now, but it's still not cheap. No, it's not. Uh, and it's it's ridiculous. It's it's almost like they're publishers who publish these textbooks. It's almost as if they're coming out with new editions just so old ones can become irrelevant. Mm-hmm. And it's not like they're adding any new information. I had a, a bio class, I think when I was a freshman in college, who... My, my professor just told us, get the older edition. There's no new information, just the page numbers are different. And oh, well, that's refreshing. Yeah. It's honest. She was the only professor I had, or one of the few, I guess, who discouraged us from buying the textbook. And she even showed us where we could look at it online illegally. <laughs> okay. <laughs> because wow. Because it's, it's impossible. You know, it's... Yeah. I'm paying so ever much amount for just attending the class, mm-hmm. and then I have to pay another amount for the textbooks, another yeah. amount for the lab book if I was in a, in this bio class, mm-hmm. you know, and it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. No, nobody should have to pay this amount to go to school. That's it's pretty much required to get a good job now. So. Right. But I, I think what you're doing. I mean, if you're if you're trying to put together a strategy, right, to do it as 
inexpensively as you can, I think the path that you're taking is the best way to go, right? Yeah. So you, you, do, you do two years, get your um, AA. Is that what it is? Right, it's AA. Yeah, it's an AA. And then, and then um, you know, you're spending a fraction of what you would have spent as a freshman at, you know, USD or yeah. San Diego State. And, and uh, you knock down all your general ed, right? Yeah. And so you put yourself in a good spot. Yeah. Uh, and it's frustrating because there's almost a stigma against community college where people, it's not real college, quote unquote. Um, and people almost don't take it as seriously, even when they're attending it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's hard because, you know, you can knock out your first two years at a four year paying half, if not less of what you would have paid at state or. Oh, yeah. And it's. I don't know. It's it's a weird thing where I almost feel ashamed telling people I did attend community college. Oh, you shouldn't be ashamed. Yeah. No, don't. Well, no. there's there's this level of me where it's like I made the right decision financially so yeah. that my sibling and I could have the same opportunity. But also I have all these friends who are at four years who well, kind of look down. That's the culture of Poway. Yeah. Okay. I mean, there's a lot of wealthy people in this in this community and you know, that aren't shy about yes. spending whatever is necessary to put their child through a high, uh, high-end expensive school. Yeah. There's no shame in going to a, 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 a getting an associate's degree. It's the, fr- frankly, it's the smart way to do it. Right. I mean, because who wants to graduate with a hundred grand in debt? Oh. No way. No, thank you. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, you'd be, you wouldn't be able to climb out of that until you're probably in your 30s. Yeah, well, I mean, I have friends whose parents still haven't paid off their student debts. Yeah. I had teachers at Poway High who were still paying off their student oh, debts. Oh, yeah. It's monumental that we start our lives like that. Mm-hmm. It's just there's this uh, level of almost elitism in Poway where, you know, we have South Poway, which is a little more disadvantaged, a little mm-hmm. a little less expensive, a little less money. And then there's North Poway, which has more money, more ability to spend money on things. And whether that's a level of they earned this money, it came from family, they have a good paying job. You know, it doesn't it doesn't matter because there is this almost rift in the community where, you know, we I mean, South Poway votes is a great example of how the fact that there's different politics in South Poway versus North Poway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. And it's it's almost hard to be able to touch both members of those communities because South Poway people want, you know, lower taxes. They want more affordable housing. And then North Poway residents aren't looking to um, increase housing density. Right. And it's it's hard to be able to balance what both of those groups want. Okay, well... I'll assure you that the North Poway people also want lower taxes, oh, right? I, I believe that. Yeah, I mean, I <laughs> right. don't think anyone but, wants higher taxes. Right, exactly. But um, but you're right. I mean, they're they're the the communities in different parts of Poway. They have different you know different needs. There's different demographics, mm-hmm. um, and I think that's one of the great things about the city and this districting, right? Yeah, is that now the representatives, you know, we're kind of in a transition process, but we're going to get to a point where. You know, there's going to be a South Poway representative, right? Yeah. I I do think the districts could have been done a little differently. That maybe would have been better for South Poway residents. Uh, having one representative who only encompasses South Poway is, I think, a little unfair due to the fact that there's five council members. Mm-hmm. So I think at least two of them should be South Poway residents. But, you know, it's our first time at districting. And I think that as time goes on, things will change to make it a little bit of a better system. Well, I think they're going to redraw the lines after the 2020 census. Yeah. 
So I think 2021, they'll change the lines. And then the 2022 election will be the first one with the new lines. Yeah. And I mean, that that's just going to be something that time will show if it was the right decision or not. Right. And I mean, I, I think, though, that the districts, in theory, are a great um, way to give all residents an opportunity to have their voices. Right. Uh, you know, because you see people in South Poway are a little bit more diverse. Yeah. Um, and, and you don't really see people on council looking like us who live in South Poway. You know, we have a lot of people of color who live in South Poway. There's a lot of um, homeless people in South Poway who aren't being mm-hmm. even looked at. You know, there's almost this level of if we ignore them, they might go away. And that's hard because I have classmates who, who are homeless, who have been homeless since graduation. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, and it's there's nobody doing anything to help them. We don't have a homeless center. We don't have a, a job center where they could start their lives again. Um, it's just it's almost as if they're stuck until they can get out of Poway. You don't mind me asking. Um, it, it, people you know that you went to school with that are roughly your age that are homeless. I mean, where where do they go? Parks. Um, the the plaza in in Poway a lot of people hang out in the creek behind there oh yeah the creekside plaza Mm -hmm. where the theaters are Mm -hmm. okay um because there's nowhere for them to go you know maybe they can try couch surfing for a little bit but eventually they're going to be put out on the streets again or they're going to have to find a new home and it's hard Mm -hmm. it's I mean people my age we can't afford to live here and it's almost it's almost as if they have to save up their money for a bus ticket to get into San Diego where they can get to a homeless shelter because <laughs> there's nothing right. in Poway. There's nobody even looking at them. Right. So, you know, when, um, you know, one of your competitors, Yuri Bolin was here and we spoke a little bit about the homeless and he knows a number of them, yeah. right? He's gotten to know them on a first name basis. And, you know, there, there's some of them I know that I've seen frequently over the years, yeah. you know, on Poway Road. You know, so you, I always just wonder, you know, how their lives are. I know it's a struggle. I know it's difficult. Yeah. But like, how do they go on day to day? Yeah. I mean, some people are homeless by choice. Some people just decide to up and be done with however they were living and, and just start fresh homeless. But through the people that I know, their day to day is just trying to find somewhere clean to, to either wash their face or wash their hands or yeah. whatever, trying to find a meal, you know, trying to put together enough money to afford basic necessities. Right. Um, and, and some of them even have jobs and mm-hmm. they just can't, their jobs are just enough to pay for those necessities. It's not enough to pay for a home. So yeah, you, you know, this goes, this speaks to the whole sort of housing crisis, right? Yeah. Which is not just Poway, but it's San Diego statewide, right? Yeah. There's not enough housing. Yeah. And and that's one of the things I wonder about with the Poway Road plan. If they're going to build more apartments, now I don't expect the brand new apartments to be cheap. Yeah. But would it create enough of a shuffle where some people might want to upgrade or you know go sideways migration and it might open up some more of the the lower priced yeah. rentals in town. I don't know. I mean, that's what I would hope would happen. Mm-hmm. Um I would hope that if we are building more residential buildings that we're taking into consideration that we have this this group that hasn't been looked at in a while. 
Um, and whether that is making these apartments have a certain section of them that is lower income or or just hoping that the shuffle will allow for people to move into cheaper uh, residencies, right. like you were saying. Um, I think that's really just up to what's going to happen in the next couple of years. Uh, it is really going to depend on council and what they see as important. Uh, if I'm elected, it's going to be one of my first concerns is, is getting this disadvantaged group off the streets. Because mm-hmm. as a city that prides itself on being such a community and homey and city in the country, we shouldn't have such a huge homeless population like the rest of San Diego has. Mm-hmm. You know, homeless people are our neighbors too. So I think that's something that is very concerning to me as a candidate and as a resident. We shouldn't be letting other residents live like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I- I'm with you there. Um, there's, yeah, you can look at it from a number of different perspectives too. I mean, we're talking about from from a housing perspective and then in the city we do have low income housing where you have to have income below a certain number to qualify. But then the question is, is there gonna be more uh, you know, housing that's affordable, mm-hmm. you know, as opposed to affordable housing. Yeah. Right. But, but the other part of this is, is that, you know, the unemployment rate is so low and that some businesses are desperate for workers. And so I've often wondered is if, if there is a homeless person who's down on their luck is, you know, some unfortunate things have happened. Maybe they made a couple of bad decisions and they've got themselves into a pickle, right? Mm-hmm. Is there a way that they can be rehabilitated and right. then there might be that opportunity to get those entry level jobs where businesses are so hungry for talent. And you see those in in cities like North Park and and uh, downtown San Diego where they have like job centers mm-hmm. and those provide vocational training, they give somewhat of business attire for the people to wear on their interviews. They help with resumes, they print resumes because people don't always have access to a printer or a computer. Right. Um, I think Poway really needs to think about having a center like that, because even if we aren't explicitly providing housing for, for these homeless people, we need to provide something so that they have the opportunity to get back on their feet. Because it it's, a, it's a downward spiral. Once you're, once you're out on the streets, it's very hard to make that decision of, do I eat or do I save up for a house? And, yeah. and so yeah. if we... If we gave them the opportunity, if we gave them some job training or printed out their resume, helped them get cleaned up to attend these interviews, you know, I think we would see a shift in in our high homeless rates. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, you know, it, it's I, I like hearing that. You know, again, I think this makes you a unique candidate, right? I mean, you know, Yuri Bolin spoke a bit about homeless as well, but you have a different perspective because of your age. Yeah. And I think that's that's really interesting. Yeah. Um, you mentioned when, when you first walked in and we chit-chatted a bit, you, you played water polo. I did, yeah. Yeah, so tell me about that. Uh, I love it. It's the only sport I've ever played, uh, much to my dad's disappointment. He's a <laughs> baseball, basketball guy. Yeah. Uh, but I, my parents had never heard of it. They're from the East Coast. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, one summer, tried it out. The community pool was offering a class on it. Really? Yeah, okay. I think I was in seventh or eighth grade. And I took a class on it over the summer. I fell in love. I, you know, my freshman year, I was on the JV team. And then sophomore through senior year, I was on varsity. Wow. It was it was an amazing experience. I made some of the best friends that I have to this day. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my teammates from high school and I still hang out on a regular basis. Um, and it's just because you create kind of this 
uh, bond through playing such an it's almost an intimate sport because you're you know only in a swimsuit and it's full contact. Yeah. So you have to have some level of care for your teammates because yeah. even in practices you're going to hurt each other. Yeah. Uh, and so it creates this like weird family dynamic. Um, I was able to keep playing at Miramar College. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a great opportunity. Our team was kind of small, but it just made us closer friends. Yeah. Uh, but I love it. It's it's a weird sport for sure. Uh, it's very niche. You really won't see it outside of San Diego. But I love it so much. <laughs> well, it probably kept you in fantastic shape. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. It, it definitely kept me at some level of athleticism that I try to maintain. Yeah. Um, but there's just nothing that's going to do the same to you as a 30 minute swim set. <laughs> oh yeah, no question. Yeah. But I think it's neat how you have teammates and those become lifelong French friends and, you know, really significant bonds, yeah. right? Yeah. And it's just because, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of damage, I guess, that's still dealt during games. And then when you get out of the pool, you want to make amend for it. Right. And that just results in really close friendships. So I remember someone telling me that the what what occurs underneath the surface of the water can be pretty brutal. Yeah. <laughs> so tell me about that. <laughs> uh, I mean, I've had broken noses. I've had concussions. I chipped my tooth during a game. Um, I play kind of an aggressive position. Uh-huh. Uh, I I'm in what what's called set guard, which is last line of result or uh, last line of defense before the cage. Oh. Um, so and you got to be strong. Yeah, yeah. And so there's a lot of there's a lot of kicking. There's a lot of headbutting that happens, at least in my position. Yeah. Uh, you'll have girls like wrap their legs around you and pull you under, which if the refs catch it is technically yeah. offensive. Yeah. But I mean, the refs have to see it. Yeah. Uh, and that's and kind it's of, underneath the surface. Yeah, you can't see it. That's kind of the cool it. thing is you yeah. can get away with a lot in water polo. <laughs> that sounds awful. <laughs> you can get away with a lot in water polo. Well, and, every and, sport has their nuances, yeah, right? Exactly. So this is part of water polo. Yeah, it's great. It's just, it's kind of a rush to be able to play something. So full contact. Yeah. Nice. So, um, but you're, you're pretty tall, right? I yes. mean, so that probably helped you in that sport. Yeah. It, yeah. Uh, it made Cause it. Cause you have long arms, yeah. right? So you can block passes. Yeah. And that's what made it easy is my, in my position, I kind of have to push the offensive player out. And so having longer arms, I can push her further out yeah. without leaving my post too much. And, and my, my sibling was a goalie. We both played on the same team uh-huh. and they were a goalie and, and they're just as tall as me. And so their long arms made it very easy. So what is your twin, twin sister, right? Uh, sibling. Twin, excuse me. I'm getting confused here. It's okay. So what does your family think about you running for mayor? Um, my sibling is super supportive Uh they're my biggest fan they're very Mm -hmm. enthusiastic Mm -hmm. Uh, my parents in the beginning weren't sure if I was actually doing it I I told them that I wanted to run when I was a senior in high school Mm -hmm. and they were like okay Emily like we'll see if it happens and then when I you know it got closer to the filing period and I made my appointment with with uh, Nancy Newfield and I got my paperwork and I turned in my paperwork and my parents were like, okay, this is happening. And they weren't sure whether they supported what I was doing, if they thought I was crazy or not. Mm-hmm. Um, but now they're very supportive of it because it is so real that they're like, oh, like she's really serious. And and I do have opinions about how I think local government should be. And they're uh, realizing that I have 
genuine, strong opinions about these things. So they're very supportive now. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, how many times you run into people and they say, well, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. Yeah. And then they never do it. Right. Yeah. And I think that's what a lot of people expect. And you did it. Yeah. I mean, you're running. I mean, you're putting yourself out there. Yeah. I mean, so you're, you're exposed, right? Yeah. You know, so everything you say is on the record and some people are going to love you and some people may not. Yeah, which is scary because on some level, I do want to be a 20 year old Mm -hmm. um, and I want to be able to go out with my friends and and not feel like if I do something wrong, it's going to have these long term consequences. Um, You know, like it's I, I was joking with my friends. We went to. Uh, basement, which is a club in in downtown San Diego, mm-hmm. which is 18 and up. Mm-hmm. And we were going and they were joking about like Poway mayoral candidate. <laughs> so you had a club. Right, right. <laughs> but it's because I, I almost have to balance. There's almost like two aspects of my personality. And it's I'm a 20 year old college graduate who yeah. wants to just be a 20 year old. And I'm also a mayoral candidate who almost has a different persona I put my myself out there in a different way I dress a different way mm-hmm. it's and it's frustrating um, because I want to be able to be myself as a candidate I want people to see who I really am but I have to filter it in a way that's a little bit more easy to digest well yeah that's you know it is frustrating right because mm-hmm. you know everyone always says be yourself yeah. right but then when you be yourself then some people kind of get rubbed the wrong way. And that's why you see a lot of politicians kind of have kind of a standard uniform, if you will. Yeah. Well, except Mayor Voss, he's got his own look, but, but generally speaking, you know, there's a certain attire that you expect. Um, So I get it. Um, And to some level, uh, I get worried about how I look compared to the other candidates. Not not necessarily because of my age. I'm kind of past that. Mm-hmm. But I, I have tattoos. I have piercings. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're in somewhat visible places. I have a big tattoo on my thigh where if I wear skirts, like people are going to see it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have a nose piercing, which mm-hmm. is off-putting to some people because uh, it's a facial piercing. And, you know, when I when I decided I was going to run... I made this decision that I wasn't going to compromise so much of myself that I was going to lose sight of who I was. I wasn't going to take out my piercings. I wasn't going to cover my tattoos. Good. Because, you know, those don't decide my qualifications for being mayor. My standpoints decide my qualifications. So I think I'm almost helping break a stigma of what a politician should look like. Yeah. Because people can have political views regardless of what they look like, regardless of gender, age, sexuality, tattoos or not. And, and so I think that by me looking how I look and not hiding who I am, it kind of breaks that mold that you see so often in politics. That's why I'm so interested in having a podcast with you because this is refreshing. Yeah. So, you know, I know like People, you know, I, how old am I? I'm 53. Okay. So I know people of my generation, you know, for the longest time, tattoos were kind of, oh, mm-hmm. you know, but like in the last, I don't know, 25 years, everything's changed. Yeah. You know, so now it's like, I'm the one that doesn't have a tattoo. Yeah, it's most like, of I'm, my friends have at least one. Yeah. Yeah. That's what my wife and I joke about that. Everyone under the age of 30 has at least one. Yeah. And so, you know, that whole thing has changed. Yeah. And you see a lot of that in, in other segments of society. Things that were at one time taboo are, are now accepted. Yeah. I mean, we're, and they're not perfectly accepted, but right. we've come a long way. Right. 
Um, I think that's super important. Like you see, you know, being a person of color is way more acceptable now than it was 50, 60 years ago. Right. Uh, tattoos, dyed hair, piercings, um, you know, being a member of the LGBT community, being a woman, you know, all these stigmas that once it kind of existed are being broken down slowly but surely. Right. That's so, great. Yeah, it is. And it's it's refreshing. So you said just a few moments ago that you had strong opinions about local politics. Yeah. So tell me some of the strong opinions that you, we haven't touched on yet that you want to share with us. Um, I Mostly my opinions are around my kind of people who, who I feel I would represent. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I've, one of my strongest p- opinions, mm-hmm. I guess. No, the, by the way, strong opinions are good things. Oh, yeah. Okay, I mean that in a good way. Thank you. Okay. Um, one of my strongest beliefs is that everyone needs to be represented. Uh, I grew up seeing a council of mostly white, mostly older men mm-hmm. uh, who live relatively in the same economic status. Right. Uh, and as a young a uh, woman of the LGBT community who lives in a almost lower economic status than those men. I was frustrated because people weren't representing me. And um, that's so one of my strongest views is that these people need to be represented. People who look like me, who feel like me need to be represented. Uh, and it's it's unacceptable that we're not being represented because we have a different view on politics. Um, you know, I believe that we need to be more for community involvement I think that there needs to be more Poway Days Parade-like activities. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we need to encourage people knowing each other on a neighbor-to-neighbor basis. Uh, I, I, I really strongly believe that we need to start forming this community to be more what it started off as, which was almost a farm town. You know, I have I had friends in elementary school who rode horses to school. Because that was an option. Right. Um, and I think we need to go back to embracing almost that country charm that right. we had at one point. Because we're not we're not loving each other on a neighbor-to-neighbor basis anymore. You know, we're, we're becoming more and more polarized. And that's true with the rest of the country is mm-hmm. views are making us more and more polarized. My senior year of high school, there was a whole scandal with Confederate flags. Uh-huh. And, I remember that. Yeah. And it, it was hard because you saw this one group of people who thought they were being oppressed because they couldn't wave these flags. And then you saw another group of people who thought they were being oppressed because these flags were up. And nobody was taking the time to like have representatives of each of these groups talk to each other. Right. You know, we, we tried to deal with it quietly. We tried to deal with it quickly and with as, as few consequences as possible. But, you know, people still came out of that feeling upset and uh, dissatisfied with how it was handled because there's just this level of separation that everybody has from each other. You know, I remember in high school slurs being thrown at me um, for for people who I was dating. And that's unacceptable. And the fact that that the city isn't fighting for more acceptance on those levels is exhausting to me that we recently had during Pride Month the first exclusively LGBT kind of education event in the city of Poway. And it was hosted by a trans woman who lives here in Poway and it was at the Poway Library. And it was basically having some young speakers come up and talk about their experience. And I think on those levels, community involvement like that would help kind of shorten that rift. I'm not asking for everyone to be down for the same things. 
I don't think that's reasonable. Everyone's going to have their opinions. Everyone's going to have their beliefs. I just expect on on a neighbor basis to be kind, to to respect each other. I have a friend who was who's who's been physically and verbally attacked on Poway Road because of how she looks. She's in the middle of her transition and people don't like that. And it's it's frustrating because we are all neighbors. We are all a community mm-hmm. and we have to on on some level respect each other. Right. So and I think so I think that the city could be doing a better job of encouraging that level of acceptance and respect. Interesting. Um, what you're doing takes an incredible amount of guts. Thank you. <laughs> I, I, I'm deadly serious about that. Not just as a young person, but as, you know, um, uh, LGBTQ, you know, you know, proud member. Yeah. I mean, you're putting yourself out there. Yeah. Poway, generally speaking, is thought of as a conservative city. Yeah. And, um, and I think it takes a lot of guts to do what you're doing. I, yeah, um, it's hard because, you know, you look at the statistics in Poway is majority conservative. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're one of the most conservative cities in San Diego. Mm -hmm. Um, But just because you have conservatives beliefs, it doesn't mean you have to be disrespectful to people who have different beliefs than you. Right. So. Well, well, you know, again, you see, I know I see some of this shift um, where uh, conservatives in, especially in California, mm-hmm. are becoming a lot more socially tolerant. Yes. Right. In other parts of the country, maybe not as much. Yeah. Um, and to me, that's refreshing because it's it's sort of like you know th- this notion of live and let live. Yes. Okay. Um, you know, I'm a big believer in in the uh, um, you know this notion of you know the the preamble of the Declaration of Independence is like mm-hmm. my favorite thing. You know, it's all men are created equal. Yeah. And, and they, um, you know, have inalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Right. And so a, a, uh, a government, a society would have equality under the law and, and be tolerant of other people right. as long as no one else is being harmed. Right. 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 And so I'm seeing a lot of that. I mean, of course, there are exceptions, but even amongst, um, you know, conservative, you know, very religious families, that they're more accepting. Yeah. And that isn't that good news, right? Yeah, it's great news. Mm-hmm. I'm when I originally was planning out my campaign, I wasn't planning on making my sexuality a big um, point on it. I wasn't planning on ever talking about it. Because looking at the demographics, I felt like it would be a mark against me more than anything else. Um, but after talking to some other members of the community who are LGBT who live in Poway, I realized that I, I almost have to make it a public matter because I have to have people realize that we all look different. You know, not everyone's some sort of stereotype and that we we all deserve the same level of respect. I look and sound just like a, a heterosexual cisgender person would. I, and just because of who I love, I sometimes get treated differently. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> it's 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 unacceptable. And so I think that on some level, me being open and proud about who I am has almost helped create this level of tolerance where people realize, oh, like she's okay. She's just some kid and she just wants to be able to get married. (laughs) Yeah. But but the beauty of this is, is first of all, I I applaud you for doing that. You know, you're not hiding it. Right. Okay. 
but you're not making a big deal no. out of it either. You know, I mean, how long have we been talking now? For probably 45 minutes or something. I'm not even sure. I don't know. But it wasn't like the first thing out of your mouth, you no. know. So, you know, you're running for mayor because you believe in a lot of issues, right? right. We've gone over them. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think I, I think you're doing it the right way. Yeah. Thank you. Um I don't think it should be a huge talking point. I don't think it should be a huge talking point for any candidate. We see this kind of resurgence of um, LGBT members becoming candidates for office or who are even taking seats of office. Mm -hmm. And I don't think you should vote for for me or anybody else just because we're we're trans or or lesbians, anything like that. Because I'm not just that label. Of course. Like, of course I go to Pride every year. And I celebrate who I am and I, I love who I love and... That's a big part of my life, but who I marry, who I date, it's it's nobody else's business. And it doesn't have to be a big talking point for my candidacy when I have all these beliefs that pertain to everybody. Right. So I right. just think it's a, a side note that kind of helps LGBT people realize that we do have a voice. Well, you know... Um What's the thing they always say? Murica, right? Murica. <laughs> well, Murica is about freedom, right? <laughs> exactly. Okay. And so this is freedom. Yeah. Um, so that's good, you know? Thank you. What, what have we not covered? Do you think would be important for people to know about you and your candidacy? What do you like to do when you're not doing, besides going to 18 plus clubs, <laughs> what else do you enjoy doing? Uh, I I mean, I love my family. I spend a lot of time with my family. Uh-huh. Um I enjoy going to the beach. I go to the dog beach. I try to go once a month yeah. to take my dog because he's ridiculous and loves the beach as well. Tell me about your dog. Uh, so I have a Great Dane German Shepherd mix. Whoa, it's a big dog. Yes, he's wonderful. What's his name? Uh, Yaz. He's named after a baseball player. Carl Yaskrimski. Yes. So this is from your father, right? Yes, yeah, okay. of course, okay. yes. Okay, yeah. Um, and he's great. He's, I think, six now. I got him my freshman year. He was mm-hmm. my first dog. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a big goofball, but such an important member of our family. Yeah. So, yeah, we we definitely spoil him. Uh, he goes to the dog park every morning. He goes to the dog beach once a month. Um, but I think that's part of having a dog is, is spoiling your dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I spend a lot of time with my family. I spend a lot of time with my girlfriend. Um I try to make time with my friends, but it's hard when we're students or working yeah, or running a campaign. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So when I, when I do have the, that kind of time, I try to spend it with people I care about. Yeah. Well, that's, that's great. Thanks. How, how, like, is Yaz, like, could easily put his head onto this table? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So he's probably more Great Dane than he is German Shepherd? Or? Yeah. He just has German Shepherd coloring, and that's, okay. like, pretty much it. Oh, yeah. uh, he's great, though. That's he's, awesome. He's very, um, I guess, invasive because of how tall he is. He yeah. can really be anywhere people can be. Yeah. Um, but that's part of his charm. But Great Danes can be goofballs. Oh. Yeah. And so when, when yeah. he's at the dog beach, he's probably, like, all yeah. arms and elbows <laughs> and everything else, yeah. right? Yeah. He, he doesn't know how to swim. Um, but he can stand pretty far out in the water. Yeah, he can. Uh, he has no idea how big he is because as soon as we get there, he runs straight for the smallest dog he sees, Mm -hmm. um, and doesn't understand why dogs or kids are afraid of him because he's the sweetest dog, but his size is very intimidating. Uh, he, we have two kittens at home and he loves them. Oh, that's awesome. He's, he's just the greatest thing. He's the best dog I could have asked for. 
That's great. Yeah. Does he like to play ball? No. <laughs> he likes or to frisbee or he anything? likes to show you his tennis balls like he has them all over the house he likes to bring them to you and show you but he doesn't care if you throw them okay he wants he he doesn't do fetch uh he sometimes does like tug of war mm-hmm. he's mostly a lap dog if i'm being honest yeah. which is uncomfortable <laughs> yeah oh yeah it's a big lap dog <laughs> but uh he's very mellow um when we're at home um but he's yeah he's a sweet boy well his namesake was a good ball player yes so he'd like to you know i think Carl Yaskrimski, if I remember correctly, played left field for Boston mm-hmm. up against the Green Monster. Yeah. So he's uh, uh, he, he was retrieving balls. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So that's, that's, that's great. You ever seen the comic strip Marmaduke? Yeah. So that's what I always think about when that's, I think of Great Danes. That's pretty much what he looks like. Yeah. 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 Big, big, like, chest that kind of caves in. Yeah. Um, long legs. He's he always People always think he's a puppy because he still has big feet and, yeah. and big ears, but... He's full grown. He's just kind of weird looking. We love him a lot. <laughs> Good. Good. So what else? Um, I so I obviously don't have a lot of experience with politics uh-huh. uh, in high school. I helped revive the Gender Sexuality Alliance with the help of my sibling. Oh, nice. Um, in college, I participated in the LGBTQX Alliance, which was a policy change group focused on creating a more diverse campus, a more accepting campus. Okay. Uh, currently, I run a middle school support group for LGBT youth, and that's in Poway. Middle school? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, you came out in eighth grade. Yeah, so wow. a, a lot of us know, or at least have an idea of it, before we even have a good idea of what gender or sexuality are. Um, I, I've known since I was little, I, my first crush was on my Bible teacher and she, (laughs) she, she, I will maintain she's the most beautiful woman I've ever met. I haven't seen her in years. Love thy neighbor. Exactly. (laughs) Um, but you know, at some level from a young age. And so it's important that these, these young kids have an outlet, a safe place to attend where they can be accepted for who they are. Um, my sibling runs the... Uh, high school and older group. I think they age out at 21 is where you stop seeing um, people coming to that group. But it's so important that we kind of form this community because a lot of these kids don't have their their families accepting or their friends accepting. And so it's important that they see older LGBT members who are still like kicking it and doing fine. Yeah. So, um, I, I mean, I love it. I've only been doing it for, I think, two months now. Um, Allie, my, my sibling has had their group for a few years. Wow. Um, and it's, it's great. It's great to see these young kids who are coming into themselves. It's great to kind of help them through just regular kid stuff, like, like asking people out and what do I wear to homecoming and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's, it's great to kind of feel like you have that kind of impact on young people. Nice. Yeah. That's good. So you're connected to the community. Yes. You know, you're volunteering. You're an active participant in what our families and kids are doing in Poway. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. You know, and and and, um, and you're doing it from a different perspective. Yes. And you that's what you bring. That's that's your uniqueness. Yeah. I, I just want I just want to have the opportunity for a different perspective to even be seen in Poway. Because uh, you don't really see a different perspective. And there's there's a lot of people who have a lot of beliefs who don't really have the space to vocalize them. 
Mm-hmm. So I like bringing that to the table. Okay, so people can rally behind you. They figure out no one's been able to represent me. And how about Emily Johnson? Yeah, right? <laughs> I kind of represent like the underdog. Yeah, the underdog. I like that. Well, good. Um, you know, I've been seeing your signs around town yeah. and been seeing it at the forums. And I, I think it, I think your candidacy is just really interesting. Thank you. You know, because you're different. Yeah. Right? yeah and I, I, and I, I think that's refreshing in a town like Poway. Yeah. Um, you know, where, you know, we kind of have to a degree kind of our old ways in Poway, yeah. right? Um, and you're, 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 you're a, a change candidate. You're a refresh, a, a refreshing perspective, right. a, a, a fresh face. Those are all good things. Thank you. I think that's why a lot of people are rallying behind me mm-hmm. is because I'm, I'm a fresh face. Even if I don't represent their beliefs, they're excited to see someone new in, in politics. Well, if you can figure out the secret sauce to get all the young people to vote, hey, then it's like a landslide, yeah. right? Yeah. You know, I mean, seriously. Yeah, I mean, no, it is. There, there's a lot of people that are under the age of 35 that just don't participate. But if they got organized, yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, especially like in this 2018, it's a midterm election. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't take much. Mm-mm. There's a lot of change being, being uh, shown. We have the opportunity to make a lot of uh, things change in Poway, and it, it does come down to, are these young people going to vote? Uh, I'll, I'll yell at my friends all day, make sure you're voting. If you get yeah. your ballots in the mail, like you, you need, a, you need yeah. to uh, fill them out, you need to turn them in, yeah. uh, register to vote if you're not registered to vote. I think it might be too late to do that now, but I... I mean, I get kind of frustrated by some of my friends who are adamant against voting and they and it comes down to a level of they don't feel like anything can change especially after this past presidential election where the the voters votes didn't really make a difference because the electoral college made the decision right and that mm-hmm. was a different mm-hmm. that was a different outcome right and so and for a lot of us that was our first election and so for us to see that happen as our first election it kind of makes us feel like well what impact do we actually have but on local mm-hmm. level mm-hmm. we have all the impact well, yeah. So yeah, and there's no electoral college in Poway. Right. right? Yeah. And so if you start at the local level and you vote mm-hmm. these people up through the ranks, we can see some real big change on the national level. But oh, you yeah. just you have to participate on starting at the local base. Right. So that's good. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Your first election being 2016. Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, that was like crazy. You know, the whole thing. I mean, it wasn't just the outcome of the election, but the whole process, the way everything unfolded with both parties and, uh, you know, and even some of the independent candidates. It was a crazy election. Yeah. I mean, I, my parents told me they've never, you, you will never see an election like that before. You'll never see it again, probably. And it was your first one. And so I can see how some young people are just discouraged. Yeah. God, it doesn't matter. Yeah. But you know, it, at least for your friends, it matters to you. And hopefully they're rallying for you. Yeah. You know? I have a lot of support from from people that I was close to in high school who text me, well, what can we do? I live in Boise, Idaho. What can I do? And I'm like, I don't know, post to social media about your support for me and mail in your ballot. Yeah. Because a lot of my friends are off to college and they can't be at the home base going door to door or phone banking for me. Uh, so, but what they can do is they can spread the word on yes. social media. Exactly. Right. Cause a lot of times when people choose to vote, it, a lot of it, people are influenced by their friends and who mm-hmm. they talk to, you know, I mean, the signs in the community are nice, but 
signs aren't going to probably sway a lot of voters. Statistically, they don't do much. Yeah, but they at least know that you're an active candidate. Yes. So if you can mobilize that social media army, you know, yeah. kind of like how Bernie did. Yeah. You know, hey, you could be a surprise uh, result here yeah. in a few weeks. And I, I really do think social media will be what makes or breaks my campaign. A lot of uh, other candidates were asking me how I am campaigning just on a level of they wanted to help. And it really comes down to my biggest focus is social media, mm -hmm. because that's how I'm going to reach the most people in the shortest amount of time with the least amount of money spent, least amount of effort exerted. I'm going to be able to reach at least 200, 300, 400 people who can then reach their own 200, 400, 300. Right. And it makes a crazy impact. Yeah, it does. So and that, that goes for any candidate. You know, I'm. Just because I'm young and tech savvy doesn't mean I'm, I have to be the only one doing this. No, uh, you mm -hmm. know, and you see, you see, Brian Edmonston, mm -hmm. he's on social media a lot. Mm -hmm. Tory Powers uses it all the time. Yeah. Uh, Terry Norwood, mm -hmm. and it's it's really changing their campaign game. Oh yeah, no question. Like it, it makes it. Social media makes it significantly easier to campaign. There's so much less restriction because it's such a new uh, uh, source. Mm -hmm. You know, there's all these. Um, rules on where you can put your campaign signs, for example. It's very restricted. There's there's a lot of regulation. Uh, and they can always be taken down. But social media, there's almost no rules. You know, you, you can ask for money through social media. Mm -hmm. You can ask for support, volunteers, anything. Mm -hmm. and, and because it's such a new um, source, there's there's no regulation, which is good and also bad. But as a candidate, it's great. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right, because because you have the the flexibility. You know, you have the the freedom, America, mm -hmm. freedom. So you got the freedom. Yeah. To do to implement your campaign the way you want. Exactly. And you can spread that network out. You know, and, and connect with your current friends, maybe your classmates you haven't seen in a few years. You know, and, and I bet a lot of people that maybe if they're in Idaho, maybe they're going to college out there, maybe they're still eligible to vote in town, yeah, right? Exactly. So if you can mobilize them, you know, watch out. Yeah, it makes a huge difference. It's yeah. really amazing. That is so awesome. Thank you. Well, Emily, this has been a great conversation. Mm -hmm. I've got to know a lot more about you. I'm glad. And I'm <laughs> hoping that a lot of the viewers and listeners get to know more about you. Um, but um, I just want to say good luck in your campaign. Thank you. Yeah, I've, I've, I've enjoyed this discussion. I think you're a very refreshing and interesting candidate. You're innovative. you got some ideas. Yeah. So, you know, go knock them dead, huh? I hope so. Okay, Emily Johnson, pay, mayoral candidate yeah. in the city of Poway. Thank you very much. Thank you.